Hey, listening family, we have some exciting news. And we do have something exciting going on. We are going through a name change for our radio broadcast, and we're going to shift the name from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth. And Walk in Truth is a name that I think helps capture the heartbeat of this ministry, help people to walk out the truth, to live out the truth, to walk by faith and not by sight. So we're going to stay the same. We're going to change from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth. Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Mark chapter 2. We are looking at a story that comes on the heels of the leper that was cleansed by Jesus Christ. And remember, he had a terrible disease that separated him from much of society. He probably just uh, dwelt in a leper colony. He was considered unclean and he had the courage to come to Jesus and risk everything. And he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And the Lord said, and I, and I pray that these words kind of rung in your ears and your heart this week, the Lord's reply is, I am willing. The Lord is willing to touch us no matter what our condition may be. And on the heels of that story, we're gonna have the story of the paralytic. But before we go there, I want you to remember something about the miracles of Jesus Christ. And this is something that I uh, stated last week. I hope you remember it or wrote it down. Jesus' miracles were also parables. So his miracles were genuine, authentic. They met a need of the moment, but they were also a picture of something deeper. The leper is a picture of a man or a woman who is filled with sin and sin's disease, and it makes you insensitive, and it kills you. And the picture of the paralytic right on the heels of the leper is a picture of the world and Israel and the world paralyzed by sin. The Bible paints a picture that we are all dead in trespasses and sins. I know it's hard to imagine, but that's what the Bible says. It says that we are weighed down by sin. Sin paralyzes the soul. Guilty consciences show up in, sometimes in medical conditions. I even heard recent reports where they are tying cancer diagnoses to stress. There is a connection in our lives, and when we're healed in the soul, we find a newfound freedom. The Bible teaches in Isaiah 53 that the Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. We've all had like a stone of weight on us. It's sin and transgression. And the Lord lifts that off of us and placed it on his son. That's the beauty of the gospel. And that's the deeper picture of these miracle stories. They happen, they met a legitimate need, they are authentic, they gave witness to the testimony of Christ, but they're also a spiritual picture of a condition. We're all filled with the leprosy of sin, we're all paralyzed by sin and transgressions and we need the help of the Lord. And one requirement for us to to, uh, find healing is to recognize our situation. We must see ourselves in these stories. We're not just onlookers, we are the leprous one. We are the paralyzed one. That's the deeper story. If we can look at the story that way, we will see ourselves in the story and we're gonna see something about both faith and forgiveness. You gotta know your situation to run to the one who will bring the solution. And we're also gonna see something about faith. 
Faith will always face barriers, always face obstacles. A church member who went to first service told me that he heard uh, Adrian Rogers say recently that faith is a lot like film. It always develops in the dark. And that is how our lives are. So let's pick up the story. This is Mark chapter two, faith and forgiveness, verse one. And when he, that is Jesus, Mark 2, 1, had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home. Now, Capernaum, which I showed you in last week's message and I think the week before, was a seaside village. It's still there today. You can still visit it. And it was known as Jesus' hometown in Matthew 9, verse 1. And the reason it was known as Jesus' adopted hometown is because he got kicked out of his own hometown. (laughs) He was preaching in Nazareth, and the people didn't like his message, so they booted him out. So Capernaum, this little fishing village, became Jesus' hometown. And there, Peter and Andrew lived. It may have been Peter's mother-in-law's house. It may may have been his house. But they had a home there, right on the sea. And Jesus had been there and he had been performing all these miracles. He left to go to other towns and now several days afterward, Jesus came back. And many were gathered together, verse two, so that there was no longer room even near the door. And Jesus was speaking, would you notice, the word to them. Jesus said this was his mission. If you look at Mark 1, verse 38, it says, and he said to them, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby in order that I may preach there also for that is what I came out for. Jesus came to bear witness to the truth, and he was a preacher, and he preached the word to them. That's the, the goal, the charge of a preacher is to preach the word in season and out of season because your ultimate healing will come through God's word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word comes into my life and brings healing and cleansing. Have you noticed? The word of God, you go to a Bible study and it just kind of resets you and cleanses you and kind of washes those dirty old brains. Boy, those dirty old brains need a washing sometimes, right? And it just cleanses you. That's what the word of God does. That's why you need the word consistently in your life and that's what Jesus did. He was preaching the word and a crowd had assembled and they were packed in at the door and I'm sure people were jostling for position. I'm sure people were trying to get in just to to see him. I'm sure they were waiting with bated breath when he had left town and all these people were gathered together. There was no longer any room. I'm sure the crowd was filled with disenfranchised people, desperate people, diseased people, people struggling for space, kind of like when someone sits in your seat at church or it gets a little crowded and someone says, can you, can you move over? And you give them one of those, look like, don't you know this is my seat? I have claimed this seat. So all these people are at the door, people in desperate situations. Maybe some people were just curious. Maybe some people just wanted to know more. We do know that Capernaum, the word we shared in a previous message, is that although God, Jesus did many miracles here, they didn't seem to repent And they came, look at verse three, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. So all of a sudden the camera shifts to a paralyzed man and he's on a stretcher and he's being carried by four friends. Now I don't know who the guy in the stretcher was. I don't know if he was an uncle to them. I don't know if he was a son, a father, a friend. But four men, no no wheelchairs in this day. And if you were in this kind of situation, you had to be carried around by people. And so what they had is they had stretchers. 
and each person took a corner and the man was being carried around and perhaps this man was a man that had heard about the miracles of Jesus. It's possible that maybe one of the four, if not all four, had experienced Jesus' preaching and maybe even his touch. Maybe there were times when they sat around the table and they said, if Jesus comes back to town, we're gonna find a way to get you to him because he has the power to heal. And they had experienced that in Capernaum. And I would tell you that the motivation for these four men to carry their friend was love. Love, the love of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that the love of Christ should compel us. Does the love of Christ compel you to do stuff? Are you moved by God's love for the world? I mean, it wasn't a convenient situation to have to carry this guy on a stretcher and try to find a way to get him to the Lord, but that's indeed what friends do. They will find a way. Love drove them to Jesus. Now, go to Luke, the next book to your right, Luke chapter five. Luke has a parallel account, and he gives us a little bit more insight, a little bit more detail. Luke five, it's here in verse 15. And I just would say, if you have a family member that's suffering, if you have a friend that is going through tough times that feels like the weight of the world's on them, one of the greatest things you can do is get them to the feet of Jesus. So it says in Luke 5.15, Luke 5.15, but the news about Jesus was spreading even farther and, a great, and great multitudes were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But he himself would often slip away to the wilderness to pray and pray. In the midst of all the craziness that Jesus faced, all the huge crowds jockeying for position, he would often slip away to pray. May I suggest to you that that's one of the keys for all of our lives, to try to often slip away and pray. It doesn't have to be two hours, by the way. You can slip away and pray for two minutes. Two minutes of prayer is better than no minutes of prayer. And have you found that when you tend to slip away and pray before you go into a meeting, before you have that conversation with a family member, it goes a lot better than if you didn't pray? How many of us have not slipped away to pray and then we faced a situation where we spoke from our flesh instead of from the spirit? Anybody have regrets when you didn't pray before you had the... Just a few of you, wow. It's a bunch of spiritual people in the room. (laughs) Man, how many times I'd like to rewind the clock. I'd like to say, judge, can you strike those comments from the record? But it's too late. We need to slip away more often to pray. If the Messiah needed to do that, how much more us? Look at verse 17, Luke 5, and it came about one day that he was teaching and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there and they were sitting there in judgment who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. So the religious leaders are from all around and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And behold, some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, same story, and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him. There's a connection between Luke 5.16 and Luke 5.17. The power of the Lord was present for healing and you're gonna have more power in your life when you pray. When you pray, heaven is enlisted. When you pray, evil is resisted. Mountains are moved. His will is approved when you pray. 
And Jesus modeled this, and so much so that the disciples finally said, Lord, teach us to pray. And remember, he gave them the famous Lord's Prayer. And prayer and power go together. It's been said, your public life, if you have public power, it will be manifested in private prayer. If you want to have more power in your life, we need to spend more time praying and spending time with Jesus. And the power of the Lord, the power for healing was available to heal this man. But there were obstacles, back to Mark chapter 2, and the obstacles were a huge crowd Everybody gathered at the door, and I'm sure that nobody wanted to give any space to four men with a stretcher. Can you imagine? Everybody's trying to get in, and these guys show up with a guy on the stretcher, and you're like, uh-uh, you ain't getting my spot. I've been in this line for hours. And I'm sure it had to be a very difficult situation to show up with a friend and hope you can get him to Jesus only to find an obstacle in your way. My friends, my brothers and sisters, Faith will always have obstacles, always. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance and this is Living Truth Radio and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. I wanna tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. It says in Mark 2, verse 4, and being unable to get to him, to Jesus, because of the crowd, they remove the roof. I like to think of this as they, ru- they raise the roof for Jesus. Some of you guys are going, Pastor Michael, that's from the 90s. I don't care. They raise the roof for Jesus. Faith found a way. Enough with the nonsense that it's got to be the Lord when it's easy. Well, the Lord closed the door. There's a crowd of the door. I guess it's not the Lord's will that our friend get healed today. Is that the size of our faith? You know, that's not even proper theology. The Bible teaches that faith was always tested with Red Seas and giants and Jordan rivers and all kinds of obstacles in the way. Your faith is going to be tested. In fact, it's not faith if you don't have an obstacle. Amen? Some of us need to change our thinking about what we think the Lord's in. Oh, the Lord must have closed the door. I guess we'll just go home now. No, is that the size of our faith? The Lord says he wants our faith to be the faith that could remove mountains or dig holes in roofs. Are you willing to have your faith stretched this year? Are you willing to say, just because the first door is shut, that doesn't mean that God's not in it. In fact, your faith is gonna grow when you step out and face giants and challenges in your life. Are you willing to say, this year, I'm gonna face some giants. I'm gonna believe that God will meet me there. And being unable to get to him, verse four, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, They let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. Now, in the ancient world, they had houses with packed roofs 
They would run timbers across the roof in the, the Middle East. Uh, what it would be was timbers and then they would have sticks going crossways and then they would pack the roof with earth, dirt, and everything and they would pack it to two feet thick to try to prevent it from leaking. So they would put all the wood and stuff up there and then they would pack it with earth and more earth and more earth and these were flat roofs and so it was so packed that it would rain and the sun would hit it and even grass and plants would begin to grow on people's roofs. These guys, when they lower the paralytic through the roof, they had to dig a hole and I don't think they were carrying shovels with them, my friends. I think they had to start digging with their hands and they had to dig a hole through a couple of feet of a roof, which I'm sure was not a five-minute project. They had to dig and dig and dig some more. And can you imagine the people down below who were under this part of the roof with dirt clods and stuff on them? Hey! Wouldn't you be a little upset? What are you doing? There's dirt falling on me. Cut it out. Stop it. I mean, faith has to have some persistence Is it just a few voices that stop you from digging? We were in a staff meeting and one of our pastors said, you know, I heard somebody once say that uh, God will call our faith to dig through layers often. It's not just, you know, that we just do a little something. Sometimes we have to dig. Sometimes we have to get our hands dirty and we're gonna have opposition. And imagine how big that hole had to be. It had to be big enough for a stretcher. Not just a little hole, they had to make a man-sized hole that would allow the stretcher to be lowered through the hole. That's something. That's faith. Can you imagine Peter standing down below, maybe next to the Lord? It's his mother-in-law's house. You're gonna fix that, Peter and I'd say. You made the hole. (laughs) You're fixing it. This is messy stuff. This is not easy And there were probably other people standing outside who, when they first went up, and they had outside stairwells in in these ancient houses, so they could have climbed up an outside stairwell or maybe found a neighbor's stairwell and then carried the guy, you know, carefully across. And so they, they went up there and they dug and they lowered him down. And can you imagine some people standing outside and saying, hey, what are you, I wish I would have thought of that. How many people take big steps of faith and they find a way when there doesn't seem to be a way and then we stand back and say, why didn't you think of that? Why didn't I think of that? See, the Lord honors faith. And these men go up and faith found a way because love drove them. They, didn't, they weren't gonna be turned away just by a supposed closed door. How about you? What does it take for you to give up? and go home. Well, these guys wouldn't. If you were on the stretcher, would you want your friends to fight for you? Well, that's what they did. And they removed the roof above him when they had dug an opening and they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 Uh, Moses left Egypt. He did not fear the wrath of the king as seeing him who is unseen. We often say as Christians, we want to walk by faith and not by sight. So sometimes when we see a closed door, we need to pray, Lord, give me your eyes. 
I know you can illuminate a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. In fact, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, there's a sea here, but there's a God who made the sea. There's an obstacle here, but I believe that, Lord, you can knock down obstacles. That's faith. Faith is kind of like a muscle. Saving faith is a different category. Saving faith, the moment you believe in Jesus, he gives you forgiveness of your sins. But active faith, the Hebrews 11 kind of faith, is a life of faith. It's walking and saying, Lord, I believe that you're gonna meet me here as I trust in you. Faith is not always clean, tidy, or cheap. Someone was gonna have to patch that hole. Sometimes we don't wanna stick around after the hole is dug, right? We don't mind digging the hole, but then we say, hey, uh, do you have anybody around here who can clean it up afterwards? Because the Super Bowl's on this afternoon, and I've got a lineup of food that I have decided to partake of before kickoff. It includes chili dogs, chips, things that will give me a tummy ache. <laughs> so I don't want to stick around. I don't, I don't have to clean up any messes. Is that your faith? You want it to always be clean and easy? You want to be able to show up and go home? That's not what the Lord's calling us to do. And you're gonna watch that the Lord honors the faith of these four men who stuck to it. In Isaiah 30, verse 21, it says, in your ears you will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, Isaiah 30, verse 21, you will hear a voice say to you, this is the way, walk in it. And these men knew that Jesus was the way. And Jesus, verse five, seeing their faith. Whose faith did he see? Somebody came up to me after first service and said, well, he saw the faith of the four men. I, I believe so. I think they're the focus of the story. Did the paralyzed man have faith as well? I think it took some faith just to go with this plan. Just to lay there. Just to say, please don't drop me. I've got enough problems. I hope the pulley system that you've come up with is going to work. I'm sure it was embarrassing that all of a sudden every eye in that house turned to him. And I'm sure there were a lot of upset people. How dare him dig a hole in the roof? Can you believe it? I'm sure there was a lot of chatter, a lot of disgusted people. How would you feel if you were that man and Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, my son, would you notice in verse five, this is a shocking statement. Your sins are forgiven. Now, if you're one of the four friends that has gone through all this stuff to get your paralyzed friend to Jesus, wouldn't you say something like this? Ah, uh, Lord, I don't know if you've noticed, but he needs physical healing He's paralyzed. I hope we didn't do all this work for you to make some statement like about his sins. He can't walk. Lord, <laughs> thanks, Captain Obvious. Appreciate your help on this one. Why would he say your sins are forgiven? You know, in Jewish uh, theology at the time, 
the rabbis taught that every sickness was tied to a sin that you had committed. So if you were in this kind of situation, they would say, maybe your parents sinned, maybe you sinned, maybe you even sinned in the womb, but your paralysis, your leprosy, your problem, whatever it may be, must be because you have sin in your life. And of course, we all know, because I've told you that Jesus' miracles were parables, that the man is a picture of all of us, paralyzed by sin, under the weight of sin. Romans 3, 9 says we're all under it. It's like a boulder, and the Lord lifts it, and he laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the paralyzed man. He's a picture of all of us. Our greatest need is not physical healing. Our greatest need is spiritual healing. Do you believe that? I said in a previous message that everyone that Jesus healed in Capernaum or for that matter, any other town, that healing, physically speaking, was at best temporary. Those people were all still going to die of their last disease. And in fact, the indictment on Capernaum was this, that Jesus did all these miracles and the bulk of the people did not repent. They did not see the spiritual picture behind the healing And today we have a lot of talk about healing and stuff. And I know that when we're sick, we desperately desire to be healthy. I don't want to downplay that at all. But the biggest need that people have today is not to have a bill paid, not to have a meal provided. Those are important things. Their biggest need is spiritual healing. In someone's dark hour, our greatest encouragement is run to the greater power source. Run to the king of light the kingdom of light, and his name is Jesus. And don't go anywhere else, man. Go to him, and uh, he will bring light into your life. Well, I've tried doing things on my own before I became a Christian, and I, I just kept digging a deeper hole. And I wasn't doing anything better for myself or for my family. It wasn't until I met Jesus Christ into which he had changed me. I wanted to be changed. I wanted to be saved. Um, we, every time we have had our hard times, we would turn to God. We would turn to Christ. We would lean upon him. Um, we would just be taken care of spiritually, mentally, and even some of the things that we were worrying about were also being taken care of as well. Amen, Oscar. And I would say this additional warning to people who are Christians. It is wrong to have an undue fascination with this part of spiritual life. Let me, let me just say to you, I would not go looking for this kind of stuff. I would be extremely careful and not have an undue fascination with that which is evil. You know, the, the apostles came back to Jesus after they were able to cast out spirits in his name. And Jesus said to them, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you in my name. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so I think there's a, a balancing there, Oscar, of not being ignorant of the devil's schemes, not being ignorant of a personal devil and the reality of demonic spirits, but at the same time, not becoming overly fascinated or consumed with this either. Because we, as we read the New Testament, what we're, be, we're to be consumed with is knowing the gospel, preaching the gospel, making disciples, uh, walking in holiness. You know, the, the New Testament epistles don't have a whole lot about this stuff. Ephesians 6 does. But outside of that, not a, not a whole lot. But, but the real passion of the epistles, the teaching is, know what the gospel is, know what false teaching is, preach the gospel, and live a holy life. You know, live out the good works. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, 
or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.